In this nation today, we have a big problem with fathers. I don't know whether this is all over the world or not. I don't know. I've not looked in, into statistics in other nations. But in this nation, uh, we have a lot of fathers that uh, enjoy five minutes of pleasure and then don't want to be a father. There, I said it. It's X-rated, so go for it. But if you're going to do that, step up to the plate and be a father. Just because you've got a child somewhere or another don't mean you're a father. Um, I, I, asked, I think I had a verse of scripture up there, maybe in 1 Timothy, about the 5th chapter and the 8th verse. Is that? Yeah. Look at that. If any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now there's a whole lot of people in this country fits that. And... This, this statistic was uh, a couple of years ago. 25 million children, or 36.3% in America, do not live with their fathers. 40% of children in fatherless homes have not seen their father in at least one year. 50% of children who live without their fathers have never stepped foot in their father's home. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of children that exhibit behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. In my home when I was growing up, if I had a behavioral disorder, the peach tree or the dogwood tree or the belts solved it. I didn't have to take any pills. That solved all the behavioral problems. Some of you are smiling. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 80% of rapists are men from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. And the list goes on and on and on, and I'm not going any further. But I'm going to tell you this morning, we need Christian fathers to stand up in America and be counted. We probably wouldn't be in the condition we're in today if we had some fathers that had backbone enough to raise their children right for Jesus Christ. Amen. June the 13th, and a lot of you don't even uh, know about this probably, or haven't studied it that much, but June the 13th was the Arise Shine Day of the church this side of the Dark Ages. As some of you know, a lot of you know, in taking courses uh, during... During the uh, early years of the church in 325 A.D., uh, 325 after the death of Christ, the church went into apostasy. It was swallowed up uh, by the Nicene Creed, and uh, the church was hid in Jesus and God for many years. What did it say? 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You remember that, don't you? If you don't remember anything else, you remember that. So he, he got over here. He really didn't get to the part that's the United States, but he was down in, in the Indies part, and others then eventually settled it all. They did not find America by accident. That was not by accident, and I don't have time to go into it this morning. It's really a class that needs to be taught. But if, if you go back to Isaiah, you would find out that those that swallowed up the church in that land, it would be delivered and, and, and rise again in a land far away. And this was the, the country. Even Columbus, uh, when he discovered this, I don't think his own country would back him in this. He had to go to another country to get backing. 
to get his ships to come over here. Am I right or wrong? I'm doing a lot of this by memory. And you know when memory in an 83-year-old, it gets messed up every once in a while. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But he, he sailed, he got over here, and, and, and strangely enough, there were people here when they settled America, wasn't it? Yeah, people here when they settled America. I wonder how they got here. God has a whole lot of things worked out that we don't understand right now, but one of these days we'll understand them better by and by. So we don't worry about it right now. We just take what the Lord gives us and move on with it. But it was to be a haven for religious freedom. Now, don't confuse religion totally with Christianity because everybody has got some kind of religion. The devil has religion. Come on. You got to help me preach this morning a little bit now. You don't have to listen to me very often, and I know you're glad of that. But some, you know, some of you didn't get the memo, so you're here anyway. But, but, but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter this morning uh, how we feel about it. The devil does have religion. An atheist has religion. Of course he does. We've got salvation. I'm glad this morning that I found and he found me. Brother Steve, you know, he, he, he found me and he called me. And I'm here by the grace of God, not by my works, not by anything that I've ever done, but simply by the grace of God. I'm here today, and that's why you're here. We're here only on Him. And so, as they got here in this nation and things began to grow, God began to bless, and on this side of the dark ages, something began to happen. But there was a little something that happened before that. There was a guy over in Germany, I think his name was Martin Luther. We'll stop at that part and not get the last part. And he, he began to search, he was Catholic, and he began to search scriptures. And he found that there was nowhere in there that he needed to go to a priest to get his sins forgiven. He found out that there was a man named Jesus that he could go to and he would save his soul and he would give him the peace that he needed on the inside. And so he began to preach this doctrine and nail the thesis up on the wall of the Catholic doctrine and he began to preach about being repented and, and being saved. And, and across the bay, across the English Channel, over on the, you didn't know you was going to have a history lesson, did you? I'm going to give him a test on this, Randy, after I get through. Will you get the papers written? And over across on the English Channel side, on the other side, there were two brothers over there, John and Charles Wesley. You ever heard of them? And these guys took up what Martin Luther had said, and they began to read the Scripture. They said, we believe there's more in there than what that is. And so they began to search it out, and they began to pray and seek the Lord. And John said, I, I felt something strangely warm and glorious and joyous fill my soul. If you've ever been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, you'll know there's joy and peace and something comes in on the inside like you never had before. They began to preach sanctification. And the longer time lasts, the less we preach it. God help us. And down in the Bahamas and Jamaicas and the islands, Something began to happen down there. Some people down there, some uh, black people down there began to seek God. And the next thing you know, they had an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
Huh? Look at me like that. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and this one out in uh, California, he started a revival out there, and the Holy Ghost began to fall on him. He was a black guy, black minister, and he began to preach, and he began to tell about Jesus Christ. He began to preach sanctification, and he began to speak the Holy Ghost. He began to preach that, and hundreds received it, and prayer meetings were being held all over the United States. God began to bless these people because they were following in the footsteps of the Word of God. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, right now, the church is not a denomination. A denomination is man-made. It has man-made problems, man-made rules, man-made ideas. This is not a man-made outfit. This is a divine outfit made for the Lord. The United States is a Christian sanctuary, and it was settled for a divine purpose. I've gone over my own notes. To spread the gospel to all nations, not to destroy, but to make disciples. He also wanted to have ministers or pastors that would feed the flock and that would take care of the flock and love the flock. But he said, woe to the pastors that destroy the flock. This, let me tell you this morning, there's a woe on me if I preach or do or do something that would destroy the flock of God. But there's a blessing today if we will stick to what God has given us because souls will have to come to God under the word of God. His word cannot fail. His word cannot fail. We Christians must be doing something right. Uh, come on, Lord. Get me out of it. Well, I'll just tell it to you like it is. There must be some people in this nation that's doing something right. Because the devil is fighting the church on every possible hand he can. He's fighting us tooth and toenail. He's trying his best to do away. We got them marching in the street. Get a job and go to work or go to church and find salvation at state. Well, never mind. We've had a president for eight years that was a terrorist in sheep's clothing. You say you oughtn't to call him that. If Jesus could call Herod a fox, I can call him a terrorist. Have I got Bible for it? Yes. Did everything against us he possibly could. Everything he could. You say you oughtn't to preach that kind of stuff, you're going to get in trouble. It's all right, there's a better place than this is. There's a better place than this is. And I still say we have a reprieve right now. The church better get it right this time. We better get it right this time, folks. I'm not kidding. I'm not blowing smoke. But I'm telling you right now this morning, this thing is not going to last long. Sodom and Gomorrah couldn't survive, and neither can the United States of America survive with the policies and the laws and the things that we uphold and pass in this nation. It will not pass like that. Jesus is getting ready to come back. I've got a lot of notes, but I ain't going to get to none of them things this morning, I don't think. After the church had been baptized with the Holy Ghost at Pentecost, 
read the third, second, third chapters of Acts and find all of this, first, second, and third. It became a house on fire. They were praising God, having favor with all the people. Acts tells us they were excited, fearless, and terrible as an army with banners. You got another scripture up there. You might want to just put that one up. They, they knew, they knew something was waiting for them. They knew there was something that they needed to dig into. But first of all, Jesus, Jesus had a little something to say. When Jesus came, and, and if you want to follow them, it's on the screen, but it's in your Bibles also. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, they said some say that they are John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he saith unto them, whom do ye say that I am? Now he's talking to his disciples. At the first part, he said, who do you say that I am? They said, first of all, some say. You ever heard some, somebody tell you something and they say, they said this, and they, who is they anyway all the time? They said this and they said this and some say, some say. They specifically said, there's some saying that you're Elijah, some says you're Jeremiah, some says, oh, you're just one of the prophets. I asked those Israelites, Jews, when we were over there years ago, I said, who do you say Jesus is? Oh, he's a great prophet. He's a great prophet, like, uh, you know, Isaiah and Ezekiel and all of them. He's a great prophet. I said, then, and they said, I believe, one of them looked at me and he said, I believe that you all believe. And he, he had already looked at, looked at us and said, you all are from the church of God, aren't you? I said, yes, we are. He said, I believe you all believe that Jesus is the Savior and that he's going to come back on the earth and there's going to be a battle fought in the battle of Megiddon. I said, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Let me deviate a minute. I thank the Lord for this man right here. He's a perfect example of a Christian father, and I thank God for him. Thank God for him. I love you, man. Who do you think that I am? And he said, I'm not worried about what some say. Come on, church. I ain't worried about the world, what they say about it. What I'm thinking about this morning is what does Jesus say about us? If he wrote a book on us this morning on the Huddleston Church, wonder what he'd have in it. Would he have in there that we are in unity, in one accord, that we are seeing the same way, minding the same way, walking by the same rule, doing everything according to the Bible and doing everything just like he said do it. Would he say that or would he say, I have somewhat against you? I ain't worried about your sum. I want to know what you think. You can once borrow me. Here's an old backsliding. Oh boy. Here's an old backsliding apostle. Somebody said Jesus picked 12 and one of them was a the devil. The Bible says two of them were devils. Jesus, didn't Jesus call Peter Satan? 
Come on, brother, will it help me out? You're a Bible scholar. He, Peter's talking to him. He said, get behind me, Satan. Come on. But here's old Peter, the old backslider, the one that denied Christ and everything else. He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, oh, you've got it on the screen, ain't you? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. Everybody say flesh and blood. <clears throat> flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but who? My Father, which is in heaven. I like that, don't you? You mean he didn't get a revelation of the church by going to seminars? He didn't get it through studying the law? He didn't get it by reading all these books that everybody, you know, if you ever want to get on TV, write a book. It don't matter if you just want to read about your dog and cat fighting. They'll put you on television and give you a program on that. He didn't get it from reading books. Say they didn't have books, they had scrolls. He didn't get it from any of this thing. He didn't even get it from Bible study. Come on. He didn't get it from singing the great songs of Zion that I like to sing. I wonder where he got it from. He got it from the Heavenly Father. He got it from the same place that you and I can get it from. We don't get a vision of the church unless he gives it to us through divine revelation. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. There is a way to know right from wrong. And there is a way to live right from wrong. And we're... Lord, I kind of like where I am this morning. Yeah, you do too. Because you can feel this. If you go to church and don't feel anything, you might as well stay at home. Somebody got after me one time here not too long ago. I was at church. Why don't you come back more often? I said, I like to leave feeling better than I did when I got there. Anybody else feel that way about it? I want to I feel good when I leave there, not, not worse. But the church this morning is a temple of God. It's a body of Christ. You remove the head coach from a team and the team flounders. Break the fuel line, the car won't start. Unplugged, the electrical appliance has no power. Without the head, the body dies. Whether for leadership, power, or life, connections are vital. We need and we must be connected to the source of our power. We need the power of God. You say, all I have to do is go to church on Sunday morning for a few minutes sing a few songs, go back home, live like I want to the rest of the week. That's not a Christian life. Christian living is wherever you're in, whatever you're in, Walmart, Target, wherever you want to go, there's the church. The church is invisible and visible. It is visible in you being there. It is invisible in the fact that the whole body of us all over the world this morning, you cannot see it all at one time, but we are 
visible people, flesh and blood members, the Bible says. Now, I'm not preaching you some stuff out of a book this morning. I'm preaching this out of the Bible. This early church began to launch out beyond Jerusalem and Palestine, becoming conscious of the responsibility they had because Jesus told them before he left, he said, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature or teach in one place, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. And it's all way, one way, no S on way. Read the book. Give me Isaiah 61 and 2, please, please. Thank the Lord for these guys. Arise, shine, for the light has come. And he's talking to the church. You have to read the history of it. He's talking to the church. Rise, shine, the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Notice something right there. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you, not yours. Wouldn't you like to have some glory? Just to say, this is Danny's glory. This is my glory. You can't have it, buddy. Amen. I can tell you right now, you can't have You can get up there and sing and play that thing all you want to, and you can push all them pedals you got up there, <laughs> up and down. You get all these kind of sounds like a dog whining or something other out of it, and you can do all of this, but you don't got no glory. Now, he can let it come down on you, and you can feel it, and you can walk in it, and the cloud can go with you by day and the pillar of fire by night. That's the glory of God. But you can't make it. Only He can make it. The glory of the Lord is on His people. Yeah. And let's go to the next one. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness of people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and His glory shall be seen upon thee. Be seen upon thee. I said a while ago, that we have gone through a lot politically in the last few years. And it just didn't start a, a few years ago in the last uh, administration. It, and, and I'm not preaching politics this morning. I'd say the same thing if that man was a Republican, if he was a Whig or a Federalist or an Independent or whatever. I don't care what party label they got on them. I go by what they believe in and what they teach and what they try to push over me. That's what I go by, 100%. But we've had it before where they were going to try to force us to go to certain churches in certain areas and God took care of that he wiped out two people to get that out of the, out of the history books got that gone <laughs> I got a letter yesterday from Ted Cruz anybody get that letter anybody else get one from him he says that 3,500 babies are aborted every day every day 3,500 babies are aborted every day. That's what some of these judges, senators, and that bunch up there, presidents, have pushed off on us to make it legal. And you and I are financing every one of them. Don't look at me like that. I got it in black and white. We're financing. Babies. 
innocent children. How can you destroy a baby? The Bible says it's better than a millstone be hanged about your neck and drowned in the midst of the sea than to hurt a child. Somebody said, you believe in capital punishment? You better believe I do. Jesus did. Jesus did. But there's another part to that. Except we become, as a little child, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Aren't children precious? They'll scrap with each other, you know. I want that toy, I want that toy, I want that toy, I want that toy. But then they just love each other and play together. And you can take them up in your arms, and they're so cuddly and nice. And you can spank your little bottom every once in a while, warm up the temperature back here a little bit. And after it cools off, they love you just like they did before, even more so. And the Bible said the Lord loveth those he chasteneth. In other words, if you ever got a whipping from the Lord, that shows he loves you. It'll make you play at bass a little better. We, we have a responsibility to arise, to shine, to let our light shine in this world. The early church from Jerusalem, listen to me, the early church from Jerusalem when the day of Pentecost was over with, you know the story that Peter preached on that day, this old backslider, Came back to the Lord. Jesus told him, says, when you converted, I want you to strengthen the brethren and help them a little bit on this course. And he did. And he got up and he preaches on the day of Pentecost. The scripture had already said that they would receive power after, not before, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And once that power was given to this church, now there were only 120 in the upper room, but there were 500 that had been with Jesus and witnessed Jesus before he went back to heaven. 500. I think if I can still remember my second, third grade math, with only 120 in the upper room, that leaves about 380 that didn't show up. Am I right? They were told to go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued or furnished or given power from on high. Not from this seminar I'm going to send you to to teach you how to be a preacher. Good Lord, I've been to so many of them things I hate to even see a letter that says we're going to have this seminar, we're going to have this course, we're going to have that, we're going to have the other. I'm sick and tired of it. I, th I think the best course we could take would be a course on the Bible. But they began to go everywhere. And the Bible said they got the gospel to all the known world in that day. Am I right or wrong, Bible scholar? They did their job right out of the upper room in Jerusalem. They did their job. They told everybody they went from house to house, from door to door, and preached Christ. Brother Steve, they were not ashamed of the gospel. 
I believe the old Apostle Paul would say years later, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's everything we need this morning. But the only way to get that power was to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, dead people don't talk. I know this is kind of hard preaching. and I know I'm getting some hard looks. But Brother White, this is what I grew up in. I don't know any different. You'll have to excuse me and count it as ignorance. I'm not in something that some man dreamed up and wrote up some teachings or, or whatever. Our teachings are the Bible. That's all the teaching we have is what's in the Bible. There ain't nothing put on the wall, excuse my English, nothing put on the wall that says you do this, do that, whatever. It's whatever the Word of God says. That's what we do. That's what we do. And I say, God, help us this morning to pull ourselves together as a church that we might see and be propelled by Holy Ghost fire. They seemed invincible in that early church. They were dispelled. They had been dispelled by the forthcoming Jews and Roman persecutors, but they carried the gospel to some places, not in spite of persecutions, but because of them. Does that make sense? They didn't carry the gospel they didn't carry the gospel just because of the persecution, but they wanted, they didn't care if they were persecuted. God turned every hindrance into a blessing. This Bible says, Mark 16 and 20, they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. They went everywhere. I've thought many times about our prayer. And we will have a short message tonight, and we will have a good prayer service tonight. We'll have both and some singing maybe. Danny's still mad with me because I messed him all up this morning. You just well to get over it because we brothers. You just well to get over it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a good old boy. But prayer sometimes is amazing what it can do. There's people in here this morning that would not be here if it was not for prayer. There are people here, if, if it weren't for prayer, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be able to be here. But you're here because of the grace of God. Dee plays the piano up there because the Lord helps them. John sure don't. I don't think he can play a radio if I get static on him. <laughs> Prayer is wonderful. John, my buddy, was. I think many times about Paul, Simon, Peter. After he preached this message, he gets 3,000 souls that... Who added them to the church, by the way? The Lord added them to the church daily, daily, such as should be saved. There may be some names written down in glory that are not on your church roll. 
going to be some blotted out that is on there too if some changes are not made. But he goes off and keeps on preaching. He don't cut any slack to anybody and gets himself thrown in prison. Well, I don't want to go to jail. I ain't going, I ain't going to do that. I, I, ain't going, I ain't going to preach that kind of stuff. Tell you one thing, you won't have to work for your food. Get in there, they'll give you three meals a day. They can't work you when the temperature gets so high or so low. It's not a good place to be. I'm kidding. You know that. But he gets thrown in jail. We've got a church full of people. And all these people go over to Rhoda's mother. House, right? John Mark, John Mark's mother, Rhoda, John Mark's mother. Rhoda was one of them in the, in the meeting. And they go over to John Mark's mother's house. Mark's the one who wrote you a book in the Bible. They go over to Mark's mother's house and they're praying for Peter to be released. Are you with me? Lord, let him out of jail. Lord, let him out of jail. Rusty Peter's off down there in jail, sound asleep. He ain't praying. He ain't got a worry in the world. He just sleeping up a log and snoring good. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his, something shakes him right big. Come on, Peter, let's go. Drags him up. Peter thought, I'm having a, a dream, a vision or something here. This can't be happening. I'm in jail. I'm having a vision. And this angel drags him on out through the city. The gates to the city opened up on their own accord. They were locked. They opened up on their own accord. Peter walked right on out, goes on down the street to where the prayer meeting's going on. <laughs> they got a prayer meeting going, brother. They are down praying hard. They are really praying. Let him out, Lord, let him out. Peter knocks on the door. Rhoda comes to the door. Why don't anybody ever name a kid Rhoda anymore? Think of a road that used to be in cars. She comes to the door and she goes back. She says, Peter's out there. No, it can't be him. Yeah, it is. He's out there knocking. No, it's not him. It can't be. He's in jail. It can't be him. He beats on the door and beats on the door until they finally go to the door and open the door. And it is Peter. It's his voice. It's him. He's standing there. I've asked this question probably to you before. Who got him out of jail? It's your Lord one to prayer of the church. Huh? It wasn't Peter's prayer. He wasn't even praying. He's sound asleep. And here he is walking the streets free as a breeze. Sometimes God will do his will in spite of us or our unbelief. Lord, help my belief. One man said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. How far do I believe? How much do I believe? Within the church that he set in order, when he went on Mount Hedden in Palestine, he set this church in order, and he said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to tell you, Washington Supreme Court Richmond, no other court, no court in the land, no 
government anywhere on this planet can prevail against what you and I are harboring in our hearts this morning if we are filled with the Spirit and the power of the Almighty God. There's something in here that's going to keep us, regardless of where we go and what we do, that power will keep us and sustain us. We're not fighting a losing battle. We've already won. We just got a few more skirmishes to get out of the way. Come on, singers, and get ready. The church is the temple of God. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is a spiritual fellowship. It is a spiritual ministry. It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. It is the body of people with hope. It is the light of the world. It is an army fighting by the sword and power of the Spirit. We are not fighting a losing battle, as I said. We know who wins. We have already won. But we must hold on to God to get through this. I'm thankful today because that my leader is alive and well. Pontius Pilate and all those people in Jerusalem thought they could get rid of him. Wouldn't work. They tried to get witnesses to testify against him. The false witnesses could not even agree among themselves. They contradicted their own statements on the stand, on the witness stand. And Pontius Pilate backed out of it. And they gave it all over to the people. And the people said, crucify him. This nation this morning says we will kill our babies. Men will marry men. Women will marry women. We'll go through all of this. We'll live our own life. We will teach, and we are teaching right now in the state of Virginia in some school system. There is no gender. There is no male or female. We're all of one. It's being taught right now in this, in this Bible Belt state. You think it's time for us to wake up? You think it's time for the church to get down to business with God? Do you think it's time that we need to seek Him with all of our heart? I do. I do. I believe it's time. And I believe unless we do, we're going to get brushed off because there is a remnant that is going to be saved. <laughs> there is a remnant that is going to be saved. Many there be, many there be that go in the wrong way. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in their head. But narrow is the gate that leads to life everlasting, and few there be that find it. Don't you want to be one of the few? I want to be one of the few. And as we stand this morning as they sing, this altar is always open. You can come. If there's something you need from the Lord, bring it to Jesus today. He will answer your prayers. I fully believe in prayer. I believe He will answer our prayers. And we need to trust Him for all that He gives to us this morning. So let's sing and let's come and pray today. Fill this altar up and talk to the Lord.